When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Welcome to another edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I'm here on my own today because I'm in London. I'm recording this out of the SE1 location. Uh, I can't see the stadium from my balcony, but I wish that I could. I will be going to the Chelsea game. I will be going to the United game. My first home game is the first home game of the Mikel Arteta, um, the Mikel Arteta reign. So I'm very excited about what that holds. Uh, so today, I think it's pretty obvious, we're mostly going to be talking about uh, the hire as a manager, uh, the process that we went through, uh, and then we'll uh, and then we'll see where we land. But firstly, Mikel Arteta lands at Arsenal. I c- couldn't be more over the moon about this hire. Considering the circumstances, the lack of talent available in the market, I honestly don't think that there is a, is a better man for the job. So um, I'm very excited. On that front, I think that the fans should be too. And to be honest, um, I am absolutely loving um, how many people are supporting this move because I wasn't too sure. I mean, it it, it is a risky decision. I really, really didn't think that uh, Arsenal's leadership team were going to make a bold decision. For me, Unai Emery was uh, a David Moyes hire. I said it at the start. I wasn't supportive Um, of the decision because I knew exactly where it was going to go and he didn't disappoint he was not good I think hiring in a manager that couldn't speak English in uh, in an interview was an absolutely ridiculous decision 
I think communication, especially um, when the language of the club is English, is absolutely paramount. Uh, and I think that, you know, because he couldn't move his language on, he couldn't communicate his ideas. And to communicate uh, ideas that are worth anything in football these days, you have to have uh, like slightly complex ideas, in my opinion. So, you know, this isn't like 442 hoof it to the big guys up front anymore you know like football is uh it's about psychology it's about intricate tactics um you have to be able to uh communicate your ideas effectively you have to be able to understand the dynamics that are going on at the training ground and if you can't do those two things you're fucked um so that's why i thought it was surprising that Unai emery was linked to everton because it's like why would you hire in somebody that's failed so spectacularly on the communication front, and I know a lot of uh, a lot of foreign fans, uh, and I am a foreign fan, but I'm I'm English. I mean, non-English fans will complain that English people don't speak second languages, and sure, but that doesn't mean the being bad at English is any sort of achievement, in my opinion. So, um, you know, let's start. Um, let's start at the top of, of, of this Arteta thing because Arsenal. Sort out a lot of names to to hire in, and I, I've got to be honest. When I saw the list, you know, I I thought the names were absolutely disastrous. They they reeked of a of a of a of a group of people that had no idea about how they wanted Arsenal to play. Uh, they had no idea who the top talents in uh, in in European coaching were, and they were really really unprepared to make the decision. I mean, arguably. We should have kept Unai Emery on until January and done what Spurs did, pull the trigger uh, on on one manager and then make sure that you've got replacement straight away. We didn't. Uh, we put the the club with Freddie Lundberg, and as much as I adore Freddie Lundberg as a person, as much as I admire the way that he conducted himself uh, through a really shitty situation, he's just not a top tier coach. And when people say to me, "What's the difference between Freddie Lundberg and Mikel Arteta?" Like, w- w- why is there even a comparison there? Like, just because both of them haven't managed clubs doesn't mean that they're exactly the same people you know you don't judge uh, university students on the fact that they're young you judge uh, you know their qualifications based on which university they went to what level did they go what standard were they at Freddie Lundberg is a guy that has uh, you know learned his trade under Arsene Wenger Uh, he ran off with uh, Jonker to Wolfsburg, saved Wolfsburg from relegation and then was sacked within six months because the team stagnated under whatever coaching methodology that they had. That's quite a damning indictment. You know, Freddie Lundberg is not the next level of coach. I don't think that he's quite a... I don't think he's obsessive um, about the coaching game. I think it was, you know, he wanted to play exciting football, but playing exciting football, you know, what does that mean? How are you going to do that? You know, what's your what's your vision of where the future of the game is going? I don't think um, I don't think Freddie had that, and uh, and he 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 struggled as a result. And I, I think the the real difficulty that Freddie had, and I think you know, he doesn't get enough credit for this. Arsenal said to the players and players that are uninterested players that uh, have shown time and time again that they don't give a fuck about Arsenal they said this is a caretaker manager so why would they try Meza Ozil's not going to pull his finger out for someone that's not going to be his coach in a few weeks uh, and you know it doesn't appear that there's a lot of leaders um, at, at, at the football club at the moment so Freddie had a rough job uh, he certainly wasn't set up to succeed in any way shape or form um, but 
still, he did it. He, you know, he did well. He didn't throw anybody under the bus at any point. I, th- I thought that he spoke glowingly about you know how honoured he was to lead the players, and I thought he did it with a lot of class. But I, I don't think he's going to hang around. I think if the Malmo job is open, you know, he's you know, Freddie's of the age where he needs to take on that first team job. Uh, so you know, good luck to him. Um, I will say thank you. Uh, you know, he's obviously not listening to this podcast, but I, you know, I think that we should all thank him for the interim job that he did. Um, but you know, he, he, he wasn't uh, he wasn't an elite candidate. So let's talk through some of the nightmare candidates that we could have had. Um, I think nightmare candidate number one, Roberto Martinez. How did how the fuck did he even get his name uh, in in consideration? An absolutely awful manager, even when he was at Wigan. He was uh, he was a terrible candidate, uh, you know. He, he saved Wigan from relegation a few times, but you know he played his own way and he played badly. And then he'd have a good ten game run at the end of the season, and he'd save himself by a point. Uh, he did an okay job with Belgium, but I think as uh, one of my friends pointed out the other day, he really should have won the World Cup because Belgium have an unbelievable squad of players and arguably you know a top five player in Eden Hazard. Uh, he did a terrible job uh, uh, at Everton. He shouldn't have been considered. Then you've got other dirty, scuzzy names that made me feel icky, like uh, uh, Pereira, who was uh, Shanghai. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I had to do some reading of Pereira to find out what he was about. He did win the league with Porto. He took over a winning side because he was the assistant to um, AVB. Uh, you know, when you're made the assistant of a of a 31 year old, what does that say about your talents as a manager? Not a lot, as far as I'm concerned. But now he's a journeyman. He's been all over the world, uh, and Kia is trying to push him on us. So you should immediately uh, discount him. Talking of super agent suggestions, you absolutely know that Raúl threw Nuno's name uh, into the mixer. He's uh, great buddies with Mendes. Uh, if you if you like what Wolves are doing, if you're captivated by one season's worth of management, like I strongly suggest you go and read what happened when he was at Valencia. Uh, uh, Peter Lim took over Valencia. He was introduced. Uh, he was introduced by Mendes. Uh, then he got, he got in, he took over the club and his one insistence was that they get rid of uh, Pizzi, uh, a very popular manager they had at the time. And they put Nuno in. Nuno is friends with Mendes. Mendes then took over all player transfers uh, and ran the show there. I think they they sacked three like very prominent figures. Um, one of them was Almeida, I believe, who was like a sporting director, uh, because they were all disgusted the fact that you know the transfer policy was being controlled by somebody that had vested interests in the players that he was bringing in. And um, Nuno got Valencia to the into the top four, um, and the players uh, and the fans hounded him out. And I'm pretty sure that after after Nuno was uh, was removed. I think they brought in Neville, who had a, a disaster as well. That's what happens when a, a non-Spanish-speaking manager goes into a, into a culture that he doesn't understand. And so, you know, that was the history there. So anyway, like, outside any of the, the super agent bullshit, do, do, we, do we really think that Arsenal are, uh, are underdogs? Do we really think that that's our, our top out? Is that is that the ambition of the football that we have? For me, absolutely not. Arsenal need to... Uh, be playing exciting football. We need to have a visionary coach. We need to have somebody that we believe in. And we should certainly never wonder whether the manager of Arsenal has uh, a vested interest in the players coming in and out of of the club. Like that's murky. It's disgusting. It, it's it's not the values that we hold dear to our heart when it comes to Arsenal. 
And actually, you know, before we get onto our, you know, Arteta, I will say one of the key things that he said to me that I really loved is he he said that when he joined, uh, when he was at Everton, he used to look at Arsenal as a club that had, uh, you know, values and a playing style very similar to Barcelona. And I, I love that. I love that because it just goes to show you values mean something. Really does mean something. I, I think that Arsene Wenger devalued the term values because he used to use it to excuse away a lack of progress uh, on the pitch. But like when you when you get down to it, like you don't want to be a you don't you don't want to be a, a wolves. You don't want to wonder why some random Portuguese kid uh, who's played three games is coming to you for fifteen million pounds. You want to know that there's something a little deeper to the reason that you're buying players other than Mendes knows him and likes him because that sort of approach can be abused. And I'm not saying for one moment that they're abusing that system at Wolves. I'm not saying that they were abusing that uh, that approach when they were at Valencia. All I'm saying is that you don't want to be open to those sorts uh, of accusations. So then you move on to the top tier of managers and then you're looking at uh, Jose Mourinho. I know a lot of Arsenal fans were desperate for Jose because he represents winnativity. Well, uh, I just don't believe in him. I don't think that I think that you've you've got to look at recent history. He tanked Chelsea. Uh, I know that he won the league there. He went to Manchester United and he spent almost 400 million pounds and he did absolutely fuck all. And I know that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not a good manager and I don't think that he'll ever bring United to back to their former glories. I think that if they want to do that, they've got to sign Pochettino. But ultimately, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is dealing with a defunct culture that he picked up from uh, Jose Mourinho. And I know that the only thing that Spurs have got going for them with Mourinho is it's literally his last chance in the top flight. That's why he's nice as pie at the moment. That's why he's He's uh, saying all the right things in the press, like he's he's making up stories that his son calls homing son Sonaldo, because uh, I, I don't think the I, I don't think the Mourinho's son is going to have uh, is going to be old enough to remember that goal that uh, the the Ronaldo scored when uh, when he was at Barcelona way back in the Bobby Robson days, but. Anyway, but my, my point is that I think it is all a charade. I, I think that after losing three big games, Mourinho is going to start whinging for money. Uh, you might get through the January transfer window with no major signings, but when it gets to the summer, he's going to be leaking all sorts of nonsense. There's going to be fallings out with Levy behind the scenes. There'll be fallings out with players. You just you just know the routine. He might get them into top four this season, but like let, let's not talk about getting Spurs into the top four like that's some sort of like Arsenal-like miracle here. Spurs were in the Champions League final last year because they were fucking good. I know that they were rough in the league, but everybody was focusing on that, that grand that grand prize. So, And, and he's got brilliant players, um, all at the top of their game, all at their peak. Uh, so Mourinho should do that. But like, let's see what happens after that. Let's see where he is. I thought it was very interesting that Mourinho was basically complaining for himself and Ancelotti, uh, you know, about the young managers that are picking up jobs, you know, light digs at Frank Lampard, light digs uh Mikel Arteta because let's be honest, he's slightly threatened that these these young people with exciting ideas are bursting onto the scene. I mean, I, I thought it was very rich coming from Jose, uh, a manager that that got his start in life as a as a translator, then was an assistant under 
the the late great Sir Bobby Robson, and then got his first break at, at the very top of Portuguese football, picking up the Benfica role. Sure, um, you know it, it didn't last long, but that was more politics than it was anything about him. Then he took a, a year out, a, a smaller club, and then he got the Porto job, and the rest is history. And but you know Bobby Robson saw the talent in Jose Mourinho. Because uh, he, when he went to Newcastle, he begged him to come and be his assistant there in the hope that he would take over from him when he eventually retired. So uh, I don't think Jose Mourinho is going to be good for Spurs. I think that we're all, you know, we're all seduced by uh, one of the most charismatic, exciting uh, men in the world of football. But ultimately, you know where it's going to go. You just got to look to the history. So then we, uh, then we move on to the main man. Um, Mikel Arteta, uh, you know, somebody that really is a, is a curveball. But look, uh, I I think that under the circumstances, uh, he was the best man for the job. You can go for a super agent bitch and you will get fucked. You can go for a has-been and hope that there's one last hurrah. But ultimately, like none of the has-beens uh, that were in contention... Uh, could move Arsenal forward. Carlo Ancelotti, obviously a fantastic manager, but he's very good at taking on Galactico clubs. I don't want to take over a manager where the, the Athletics said, you know, things to expect that he's going to smoke at training. I don't know, I don't know about you, but like smoking at a, a sports club doesn't doesn't really excite me. And the, the fact that that is one of the things that they want to put on their little tweet roundup tells you all you need to know. Rafa Honigstein says that the Bayern players were very bored with his training methods. Um, when he was at Bayern Munich, uh, he didn't move Napoli. He actually made a Sarri side uh, easier to beat. So I, I don't want him. And Jose Mourinho, ah, I wouldn't want him anywhere near Arsenal. If it, not just because he's a he's an average manager these days, but more for the fact that why would we bring in somebody with such a dis- disgusting uh, history with Arsenal? I mean, I just I just don't understand Arsenal fans. And just because Mourinho. 10 years ago was a guy that would say he was going to do something and then he'd do something. doesn't mean that he's that same guy now. Like, I don't want that viciousness uh, around the club. So anyway, we did eventually move on a new manager and that was Mikel Arteta. And there are uh, there are a number of reasons why I'm really excited uh, about bringing him in. So I just want to talk through uh, some of the key reasons. But I think first and foremost, you know, we all, we all watched that press conference. Was he not? unbelievably uh, impressive was it not refreshing to see somebody uh, excited uh, about Arsenal somebody that looked confident somebody that uh, articulated his thoughts in a coherent way I mean what what, what I, I really love about um, Mikel is look at Freddie Lundberg I mean he's a very quiet um, considered man but and, and so is Mikel but the difference in energy between the two of them uh, I mean, I I don't know whether it's just because I was really, really behind this hire, but I got emotional watching that press conference. You know, when he said, you know, Arsenal is my club. And when Arsenal come knocking, you say yes. I mean, I'm like, man, this 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 is a guy that, that cried when he left Arsenal. He cried and he's told everybody that he was coming back. And he went away for three years. He trained up with the best manager in the world and he was a number two with that manager and look there's a lot of experience at Manchester City the fact that uh, Mikel Arteta was so good that he was sitting next to 
uh, Pep in no time tells you all that you need to know. You know, he wasn't he wasn't like a, a part timer in that setup. Like he was he was absolutely core to what was going on there. And uh, I, I think the 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 concerns that that he doesn't have experience. You know, we can we can talk about that um, a little bit later. But anyway, the the point is. Mikel Arteta gets the culture of the club. Like, just look at those videos of him walking around the training ground. He knows people already. It's not going to be difficult for him to uh, to work out what the levers of power are in there. It's not going to be difficult for him to, as he said, you know, find out what the history of the club is. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd been speaking to Permanente Saka on the side already. Um, he's going to be able to hit the ground running far quicker than any other manager, and he's going to know, um, you know, what the right approach should be. So, you know, first and, uh, you know, the, the, the first point about Mikel Arteta is you've got somebody that understands that the culture at Arsenal is completely broken at the moment. There are no standards. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, culture is one of the, the things that uh, that I, I do a lot of reading on. You know, I'm, you know, in, in the working environment, creating a, a, a culture that, that people can get behind is like super important, especially in, I know there are a lot of, uh, I, I talk about how advertising and and sport kind of go hand in hand, but I, I honestly believe that you know there's a similar sort of dynamic like creativity and like how you foster that is the same for you know how you foster creativity in sport and excitement in sport. So you know, culture is something that I'm 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 really interested in, and you know you read any book on culture, you know any any leader's opinion on how that comes about, like you have to have. Uh, like there has to be a north star there has to be a vision there has to be something that people can get behind because if you don't know what you're striving to do you can't create behaviors that ladder up to what that culture is so uh Arsene Wenger's uh Arsene Wenger used to have a, a culture built around uh you know exciting football um elite fitness and, and winning things but he definitely lost his way in, in in the latter years and um he sacrificed um some of his his beliefs and or or, or his or, or the culture that he created just became dated i mean i think when arsene had to pivot from being able to pay top 2 wages to top 6 wages he he he's, he sacrificed the competitive edge because you know he worked off like a socialist wage structure and uh, socialism isn't really geared towards um sport which is a uh, more of a capitalist endeavor so you know things really went off the rails for him but arteta's coming in uh oh well, sorry and, and then let's talk about Unai Emery no vision for what he wanted he didn't know what he wanted right up until November so if none of the if none of the players know what they're trying to achieve how could how could Unai Emery be expected to build a culture um around anything at least when Arsene Wenger was here the players were respectful like things really really went off the rails under Unai Emery because there were, there were no expectations of behavior you had a you had a manager that had no uh, authority um, like either historically or because they're you know a, a leading thinker in the game, so things went massively off the rails. I mean, I, I think you'll all agree. Uh, you didn't used to see uh, players liking the wrong posts on Instagram. Um, you didn't see captains throwing their armbands and telling the telling the fans to fuck off. Like there was, there, there were like Unai Emery lost control of the dressing room and Freddie was never going to be able to pick that up. But now you've got Arteta coming in and, you know, he's talking about a high performance culture. 
uh, and that's something that they run across lots of different sport and the notion of a high performance culture is you make sure every single part of the of, of the performance machine is the best it can possibly be and when you uh, you reach the pinnacle of a high performance culture there are no uh, there are no weaknesses anywhere, and that's in the, the. That's why Arteta talks about making sure that everybody at the club is pulling in the same direction. Because if you've got uh, a physio that doesn't believe um, in the vision, if you've got uh, a, you know like a goalkeeping coach that doesn't believe in the vision, things fall apart. So. Arteta is coming in and he's going to set a vision for where he wants the club to go. And then it's down to Edu to make sure that um, we have the best tacticians in the building. We have the best analysts in the building. Um, we have the best everything. And I think that it will take a while for him to hook out all of the uh, all of the bad players that are going against our culture. And you know, I, I, I truly believe there are a lot of bad eggs um, at the club uh, now and I think it's going to be a big job for Arteta but ultimately I think um, he understands what the culture of Arsenal is uh, from an outsider's perspective and I think that he understands how to build a high performance culture within the club so you know let's let's see how he attacks that um, I also think uh, another great part about Arteta is he's coming from um, a winning culture um, you know, he's. It's not like you know you you bring in Carlo Ancelotti and you're hoping for some of that Real Madrid when you know he was winning Champions Leagues. Uh, you're not bringing in somebody that's taken Napoli to to you know a, a Serie A win. Uh, Mikel Arteta's coming off the back of two unbelievable back-to-back Premier League uh, wins. He's coming off record points. He's coming off a, a very competitive two league campaigns. So he's bringing winning IP from City. And he's also, you know, he's worked with a maniac. He's worked with one of uh, the most innovative, spectacular coaches that's ever been in, in the world of football. Like, so he's coming from a winning environment. And I think the, that helps uh, in two ways. Firstly, it means the ideas that he's bringing in have been tried and tested. Secondly, uh, it means that the players are going to pay attention because uh, if if these techniques are working for uh, Raheem Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne, uh, you know they can they can work for players that are in our setup and uh, the best players first and foremost they want to improve they want to be better so Arteta's bringing that to town. Um, the third thing is is energy and he, he, he mentioned it time and time again Arsenal have really lacked energy and you know uh, Unai Emery came um, with promises of bringing energy uh, he didn't deliver it and I think that part of that is like how can you inspire people if you know if you can't speak the language it's very difficult to just look busy on the touchlines and uh, you know en- energy for me comes from um, actions uh, and actions that you can understand and and, and, and words impassioned words and getting people excited um, by the way you are and the things that you're communicating and I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that the, the press conference that we saw where we were all really 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 excited by the words that we hear hopefully that translates down um, into the players uh, and the other reason that I'm really happy that we've signed um, Mikel is 
I think we've got a fantastic generation of kids coming through. Like a genuinely, uh, I, I, like my favourite players at the club at the moment, like Martinelli, uh, you know, a powerhouse, almost like traditional, I don't know, like I would say British forward, but, you know, he's got far more technique than the traditional British forward. But he's got the attitude of a Brit and he's got the technique of a Brazilian. Like it kind of reminds me a little bit of Robin Van Persie. Then you've got Saka, who was playing at left back the other day. Okay, you know, the performance wasn't perfect, but like, look at the energy and the passion and, and the drive. Um, you know, if you could bottle that up and give it to some of the senior players, I'm sure that we'd be um, higher in the table than we are right now. Um, uh, you've got Smith Rowe and look, he didn't have a great game yesterday, but the talent is clearly there. Um, you've got Inketia, who um, is out on loan. Like Leeds fans absolutely love him. He's a fox in the box. He could be coming back. You've got William Saliba at San Etienne. Like rave reviews about what he's doing over there. Uh, you know, th th this is a teenager bossing it in a, in a, in a very competitive league. Uh, so there's 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 a lot of youthful talent. Rob Holding, um, even Bernd Leno. I know he's not that young, but still, he's he's got to be one of the best goalkeepers in the world at the moment. So there's a there's there's a core group of young players that need to be coached properly, uh, and they need to start learning the right habits. And Carlo Ancelotti isn't bringing those habits to those young players. Mourinho doesn't know how to coach uh, a modern footballer, in my opinion. So if you've got somebody that is completely obsessed by where the future of football is going, like, that's the guy that leads the young players. That's the best possible chance we've got of breaking out of this mess. So uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do um, with the young players. Uh, and I'm, I'm also excited to see, you know, is there anything that he can do with uh, some of the senior players that are a little bit lost out there? I mean... Uh, is there any could, could he save Granite Jacker? I mean, that's a that's a project that uh, I think is beyond almost anybody. But uh, may, maybe he can, you know, make some of the senior players um, uh, like improve. So let's just let's let's talk through in the, in this in this next part. What are the things that I think he's going to do over um, the next few months? So the way that that I'm seeing it is the next uh, the next. Eight to 12 weeks are going to be very, very messy because um, Arteta's got to come in. He's got to give everybody a chance. He's got to break some things. He's got to experiment. He's going to upset some people. So I think it's going to be messy for the next three months. But after three months, we will see an identity out on the pitch. It might not be um, consistent across 90 minutes, but you will see an impact of his coaching. I've got no doubt. Next season... You have to hold him to a high standard. Like We have to be in the Champions League. And if we have a good summer, I have no doubt that we will be challenging for the Champions League. And then in uh, you know the, the the next year, you've you've got to be expecting that we're going to be uh, we're going to be pushing for, uh, for for top trophies if we make the Champions League, because Jurgen Klopp did, and um, Spurs uh, have have had a, a good run without spending uh, a lot of money. And we are Arsenal and we've got to have high expectations. So that's that's kind of the roadmap that, that I'm hoping to see. Um, so what's he going to do when he when he lands? Well, the, the first thing that he's got to deal with is the, you know, he's got to win hearts and minds. He didn't say that he's going to come in uh, and, you know, bend David Luiz over his knee and spank him with a slipper and set an example of him. Um, he said that he has to convince the players that he has the right ideas 
and that his ideas are going to help them improve and help the team improve. So um, I don't expect to see anything too crazy happening in the first few weeks because, uh, you know, everybody's taken, everybody who's taken on a big job before, you know, their first big job have made the mistake. You come in, um, you make some big, bold decisions early on and you upset everybody and then you lose trust of people that that need to get you through, um, you know, the initial short-term asks that you're being asked to deliver. I think if he goes in and he benches all the senior players, senior players have a lot of clout at clubs and they can make life very difficult for him. I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's going to go in and I think he's going to work out how he can get the most out of players who have been world-class in the past. Like He cannot bench uh, Meza Ozil to start with because he knows what Meza Ozil is capable of and you cannot tell me that Meza Ozil is a bad player. If he can convince Meza Ozil to do things that Wenger and Emery couldn't um you know we're in a good place run you know going into the rest of the season uh, david luis is a huge personality in the dressing room try not to piss him off in the first few weeks because it will make your life harder so i think that we'll see the same thing that um that unai emery did that freddie lumbo did he's got to give the senior players a chance to be part of a future system um so i i, I would uh I, I would imagine that there's going to be a lot of side conversations going on, a lot of expectation setting, you know, almost some counselling sessions going on because, uh, you know, these players really do look miserable at the moment. But I think the I think I don't think that you'll see drastic changes to the starting eleven, uh, you know, outside of where it's, it it needs to be. Uh, so after um, after that team has has settled. I think uh, I think that like after month two, I think that you'll start to see a, a shape of uh, of what we're expecting moving forward. I'm hoping that he's going to give more of the young players a try. I'm hoping that some of those uh, those patterns start to appear in our play. I mean, you just look at the way that we've struggled for almost two years to even move the ball um, out of our own half. I mean, I I, w- I would hope that he can give some sort of structure to the midfield so that we can move the ball between lines um, a little bit better. I'm hoping to see more of those uh, combination plays that we used to get under Arsene Wenger. And I'm hoping that he's going to give a a little bit more solidity to the side. I mean, the Everton game was not pretty, but uh, it was solid. We didn't uh, we didn't leak shots all game. We showed that we could defend and we kept a clean sheet. I think that the the balancing act that Arteta's got to have over the next few weeks is how does he start improving our attacking output without sacrificing um, the way the you know the way that we defend. So I think that you'll start to see patterns emerge over the next few weeks as players start to to learn his ideas. Um, there was a, there were a few quotes uh, where um, Arteta was talking about how. He he implements his ideas um, it, 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 and creates almost like a well, it's called uh, you know cog- a cognitive style of football where players um, learn like cues on the pitch and they learn where to be and where to be positioned. So the moving forward, all of these intricate moves uh, become like second nature to these players. Um, so. I'm I'm hoping that he's going to be able to start imprinting some of those ideas, and I'm hoping that we see that before the end of the season. I mean, you've only got to watch Manchester City against Leicester yesterday. Those players, when uh, when it's a defensive transition, they know where to stand, they know what angles to take up. Like it's just second nature to them. And when they're moving forward, it moves so quickly, and you're like, how does that happen? And that all starts on the training pitch. Um, and I know that we don't have Manchester City um, caliber players, but look, 
when when Klopp took over Liverpool, he took over an extremely uh, smelly squad. But by the end of the season, you know, it was inconsistent. But like you could see exactly what he was trying to do. So I'm hoping that we're going to get that um, with Arteta. I don't think that Arsenal are going to move hard for players in January. I think at best, uh, if we move on Granite Jacker. Um, hopefully we sign a, a, like a powerful, fast, dynamic midfielder. I mean, you know, we've been desperate for a, a, like a proper defensive midfielder for a long time. Um, so you know, maybe we'll see a move there. But I would imagine that uh, considering our monetary uh, issues uh, that we have, having borrowed money from next summer um, to, to pay for last summer, I would imagine the, the, the brief from Raul is... Show us what great coaching does and then we'll spend money in the summer. I think Raul came out and said again, he said it's not a buyer's market um, in January. So uh, don't expect too much. And look, we, we've got a we've got a squad of players that took Arsenal to within two points of third last season. I think the main difference, um, you know, a lot of people are coming out and they're saying, well, th- th- you know, if you believe the squad is so good, let's see what they do. I think the main difference is um, Emery broke the squad and uh, Arteta is picking up the squad halfway through the season. And now you've got a lot of players. Like, I think there's um, five players that have a year to go on their deal by January. Like, they're thinking about their, their next move and preserving their bodies. And I think that that's, a, that's now a huge challenge. Um, you've just seen what the what you know Aubameyang looks like now he's being linked to Madrid he doesn't look interested so it's going to be a big job to get us into the top four but I don't think that that's uh, an, an impossibility but I think uh, the next five months it's basically a pre-season for Arsenal and it's an opportunity for the club to work out who they can get rid of and work out who they can bring in um, it's definitely going to be developmental and I would suspect by the time we get through to May it's um, it's a largely young team full of uh, youth players that, um, that that want to give their all to the cause, not players that are thinking of, of moving on. And then I think we're going to get to, um, I think we're going to get to the summer. I think it's going to be a really, really brutal summer. I wouldn't be surprised to see Lacazette gone, Obama Yen gone. Um, you've got Meza Ozil. I think, uh, you know, the, the, the one interesting thing about Meza Ozil is he's, He'll be down to the last year of his contract. Um, he'll be 32. He'll always be an injury away from not getting another contract. It's in his interests to play well because um, if he wants to go, he's going to have to attract a buyer. Um, he's going to want a, a good wage and he's going to want um, a, a three-year deal again. So if Arteta can extract something out of him, um, we can keep him because he'll be good. think that's unlikely. Or um, we, we can sell him. So I think his agent will probably be nudging him and saying, look, you need to put it in these last four or five months of the season because you know we need a payday like it's your last ever contract uh, I think um, Socrates uh, is is likely to be moved on Mustafi I mean he'll hang on for dear life but you know he, he'll have a year to go on his contract as well um, so there's going to be a lot of senior players moving out and I think it's going to be very exciting to see what they bring in because I'm hoping that um, the Edu was part of the Martinelli signing I'm hoping the um, the team that we've got in place now believe in the vision and we find more Martinelli's moving forward because that's the sort of player that, um, that's going to move um, the club forward. And I don't want us to bring in older uh, players that are at the back end of the career. Like, let's build out a future team uh, just like Dortmund are because uh, you know they, they've got players like Brandt who look 
absolutely spectacular. They signed Sancho, and now he'll probably go for 150 million in this summer. Like there are some really exciting young, talented players out there. We don't need to spend. 80 million on a winger. We can go out and buy up and coming talents and say, look, you'll come to the Premier League. You'll get the opportunity to work under one of the most exciting coaches in the world of football. And we're going to build a team that's going to win the Champions League in two seasons time. Do you want to be part of it? And that's what that's what's going to get the fans excited. Not David Luiz, not but signing also Rans from, from Dortmund. Like, let's get young players before they became great. I mean, it's amazing. Liverpool were Champions League winners. And they're signing players from Salzburg. They're signing seven and a half million pound players that could turn into 60 million players if they're coached properly. Now we have a coach to develop those sorts of players. That should be our approach moving forward. I don't want super agents shipping us in like average players that are uh, are just there for a final payday. I want young, hungry, powerful, fast aggressive, suitable players for our squad moving forward. And look, this summer, I think, could be the most aggressive um, uh, that we have uh, have had in a long time. We could put a million pound a week um, back into the coffers. We could easily bring in um, 120, 150 million if we sell some big names. And look, Arteta's got a great situation at the moment because is there a single player that you give a fuck about? I honestly don't. I gave a fuck about Obama in, but the way that he and his brother have behaved in the last few weeks, like, fuck off. Like, see you later. Not interested. There's literally no one, apart from the young players, uh, that I have an interest in. And I think the, um, that gives Arteta, uh, Edu, uh, a lot of flexibility moving forward. So, in short, I think that this is a really exciting time to be an Arsenal fan. Um, I hope that we don't have to deal with obnoxious voices calling for Arteta to lose his job after three weeks because that works for, you know, their brand. Um, I hope that we can all get behind something that we're really excited about. And really, I fucking hope that Arteta delivers because, you know, I've, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a reputation on the line here, but I, I, you know, the only reason that I'm backing him is not to be different. It's not to be, uh, a hipster is because I genuinely believe that the future of football is in the hands of like young, dynamic, exciting coaches that are just completely obsessed by the game. And I, I'm I'm convinced that Arteta is going to be a fucking huge success for Arsenal. Um, I you know I appreciate that a lot of other people might not share the same belief, but look, um. The next seven months are basically a preseason, and if we can see an identity coming through in, you know, six to twelve weeks, and um, we'll at least know uh, where we're moving forward. And then if Edu can show us uh, some brilliant technical directorship, then you know this could be a great summer, and it could be a a, a, a blistering start to next season. But for me, the club made a great decision. I think Arteta is going to be brilliant. Uh, I like the shape um, of uh, the, the way that that press conference went. Um, I'm convinced that um, that the, this could be a, a once in a generation coach, and if he delivers, and we're excited about uh, 
you know, waking up every morning, going to watch the Arsenal play, like, isn't that what we wanted? You know, I don't want to go and watch boring football just because uh, there's a chance that someone might win. I want to go and enjoy my football. Um, and I think the, I think that Arteta is the the higher under the circumstances that ultimately is 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 the best we could have made. So. Um, yeah, so let's support it. Let's see where it goes, and let's get excited. Um, let's hope Josh Kroenke delivers um, delivers on on his promise of of last summer. On that note, I'm gonna say goodbye. Um, I'll be at the Chelsea game. Uh, I don't know what pub I'll be in, but if I see you, come say hi. Um, and um, like, let's for- let's look forward to the the next chapter. It's been a stop start f- uh, few years, but I'm convinced that more than ever, that we're on the right path and the. Uh, this is this Arsenal 3.0 reboot is going to be um, it's going to be one for the ages. Anyway, speak to you soon. Ciao for now. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.